if you would, uh, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. As we are entering into the Christmas holidays, um, oftentimes pastors are expected to preach messages on Christmas all the way up to Christmas. And um, the message this morning is obviously in Matthew chapter 1 comes from the Christmas story, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the Christmas story in a sense. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the title of my message. It's Dealing with the Impossible. Dealing with the Impossible. And we're, we're going to see as the message develops the impossible situations that are developed in the Christmas story. But as we live our lives, we encounter impossible situations all year long, do we not? I mean, they're not they're not limited to the to, to the Christmas season. So this morning, it, 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 the story does come. The the message does come from uh, the Christmas story, but it is something I hope and pray that this uh, the the principles that we're going to learn this morning are principles that we can take forward in our lives every day of our lives, not just during the Christmas season. One of my favorite quotes comes from a British missionary uh, to China. His name is Hudson Taylor. I have a picture of him here for you. This is Hudson Taylor. He was born in 1832 and died in 1905. Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission. Taylor spent 51 years in China. The society that he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries into the country who started 125 schools and uh, directly resulted in over 18,000 Christian conversions, as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations of work uh, and uh, more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces of China. This was a man who knew the God of the impossible. If you, if you, if you ever want to study the life of this man, let me encourage you, he was an incredible man and was told multiple times that what he wanted to do in China was impossible. But the quote, one of, one of his quotes that I love, uh, I have another, I have a slide for you. I have found that there are three stages in every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Then it is done. I came across this quote many, many years ago, and it has been a source of great encouragement to me through the years. It is a constant reminder of, to me, and I, I actually have a, uh, I had a plaque made, and I have it right in, when I sit at my desk at my office at the house, right in front of me, I have this quote sitting there right in front of me all the time. Because I want it to be a constant reminder that when I let go, God can do great things. 
because I serve the God of the impossible. Another quote that's similar to this one is um, uh, a guy named Tom Malone said this, when God wants to do something great, he starts with the difficult. But when he wants to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. The Bible is full of examples of God doing the impossible. And as I was sitting at my desk uh, recently, I started thinking about all, you you know, many of the impossible things that God has done in Scripture. But I, I want to share with you this morning my favorite impossible thing that he did. I think, I think it's my favorite because it's humorous in, in some ways. But in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 22 to 26, many of you should be familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, <clears throat> therefore, before the king, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, because the king commanded, uh, commandment was urgent, the furnace uh, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire flew, excuse me, I'm trying to read too fast, slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's stop right there. Okay, those of you that are familiar, some of you may not be familiar with the story, um, the king got mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm not going to go into all the backstory. I don't have time. But he got mad at them, and he was going to throw them into a fire, fiery furnace. And the, 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 he, had, he, he told his servants to heat it up uh, seven times its normal strength. And it was so hot that the guys, the soldiers that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace it was so hot that they that they died. And it goes on. And and these uh, three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king, astounded, uh, and rose <clears throat> up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not <clears throat> we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he <clears throat> answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like a, of the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. <clears throat> when God does the impossible, <clears throat> he gets the glory. That's why I believe he is the God of the impossible. Later in his life, because of the faith of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar says this in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all, those, all, all whose works are true and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to amaze. 
because of the faith of those four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and a situation that God put Nebuchadnezzar through, Nebuchadnezzar saw God for who he was. God loves taking hopeless situations and turning them on their head and doing something miraculous through them. When God does the impossible, hope is restored. Because when we are in situations that we look at and think, this situation is impossible, we have no hope. But God, when God does the impossible, it restores our hope. This morning, I want to talk about someone in the Christmas story. His name is Joseph. Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus, and he, he experienced the impossible. Matthew, let, let's look at, let, 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 look at Matthew chapter 1. Let's start reading in verse 18. <clears throat> Now the birth of Jesus was on the wise when, his, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken unto the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised <clears throat> from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she uh, had brought forth her firstborn son and they called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <clears throat> thank you for your love. And Lord, as we look at this, this individual that we really truly don't know a whole lot about, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would use his life to help us draw closer to you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, oftentimes when we read the Christmas story and the different parts of the Christmas story, we, we tend to focus on the miraculous birth of our Savior. And we should, okay? Okay. 
but oftentimes we we miss some some things that God gives us and oftentimes uh, I I think that we overlook Joseph an awful lot Joseph is a very very much a key player in the life of Jesus uh, in his time on earth but this story is filled with uncertainty and difficulties and Joseph was right in the midst of all of these uncertainties and difficulties. And, and well, well, so was Mary. But can you imagine, think about this for a minute. Can you imagine the, the emotional turmoil that had to be taking place in the heart of Mary? Okay, here she is, a, a godly young lady, and now she's pregnant. Her first thought had to have been, what is Joseph going to think? What about, what about her family? What, what is her family going to think? And then the thought comes, what is everybody else going to think? This is a major, major hurdle for someone to have to get over. But Joseph had to deal with these same emotions. Joseph, I'm sure, you know, when I, you know, we're not told how he found out. Well, the angel told him, but I, I, I can't imagine the first conversation he has with Mary. Can, can you imagine how that's going to go? Even though the angel tells him, and you know, they they both know, but they're, you know, they're probably still what we would call still in shock. But you have to understand the culture. The culture of that day it is important because the, the, the culture was very communal and, and the fact that, that the, the, the community that they lived in was, was really uh, tight-knit. And when somebody offended an individual or a family or something, then they they offended the entire community. And when a young lady would get pregnant out of wedlock, it would not just affect her or and not just her family, but it would affect the entire community. So now these emotions are running through Joseph's mind. <clears throat> what am I going to do? What are, what is my family going to think? What are others going to think? Joseph's response to the impossible demonstrates great faith and trust in God. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at his response to the impossible. Because really, is not the Christmas story impossible? I think that's the whole point, okay? I do want to bring up one unfortunate truth. And that is this. <clears throat> the, the Christmas season can be a difficult time for a lot of people. Death of loved ones. Uh, separation from loved ones. Uh, um, the world puts a lot of pressure on people this time of year to live a perfect life, and 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 the 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 um, the 
the miracle of Christmas is always supposed to come true in your life during Christmas. The, the hallmark fantasies. Let me, let me tell you, they're fantasies. They're not real life. But the world puts so much pressure on us this time of year, and so many people really hate the holidays. They do not look forward to Christmas because of the memories and the different things, because of the pressure. I don't know if you know this or not, but suicide rates skyrocket this time of year because of depression. What do you do when the impossible comes into your life? Now, I don't know the difficulty that you may face this, this, this Christmas season or not. I, I have no idea. Or, or let, let me rephrase that. I don't know what difficulty you may face down the road after Christmas over the next fiscal year. But I do know this. We serve a God of the impossible. I want to look at some principles that we can see in the life of Joseph that hopefully will help as the impossible situations of life come our way. Number one, and this one is it's tough. Be patient. Be patient. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on... was on the wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost and Joseph her husband being a just man and not willing to make a public example of her was minded to put her away privately but while he thought on these things but while he thought on these things one of the things that we can take away from this is Joseph did not overreact. Joseph uh, did not jump to conclusions. The word thought here means to meditate, ponder, or consider. Joseph didn't fly off the handle and make, start making accusations or you know whatever. Joseph, the very first thing does Joseph does is he starts to meditate or to ponder on these things. Question, what did Joseph ponder? I, I thought about it and it doesn't tell us, but to me, the, the answer would be he, he was probably pondering his options. What, what am I going to do? You know, she's pregnant, you know, with, with baby Jesus, you know, and what, what am I going to do? And the reality is, hopefully you would do the exact same thing. But as he pondered, as he thought about it, and, and I, see, I see his options like this. This is how I see it. And I could be wrong. But the first option, 
I see is that the fact that he could then marry her, but by marrying her, you have to understand that, number one, his family would probably shun him, that he, he and his wife would be a disgrace to the community, Probably not the best of situations. That's option number one. Option number two, he could have her charged with adultery and stoned to death. This was something that happened quite frequently. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24. The law justified that action. But as Joseph pondered all of these things, what did he settle on? He settled on divorcing her privately. The Bible says in in verse 19 that uh, as he thought on these things, uh, he, he um, uh, uh, he was tending to want to put her away privately or divorce her privately. Now, one of the things you have to understand, by doing this, what Joseph was doing is he was actually committing to putting her away privately, was referring to the fact that he wouldn't marry her, he would, it would be an official divorcement, but that he would provide for Mary's physical needs and the needs of that child for the rest of their lives. What a commitment. An incredible, incredible commitment. The Bible says that Joseph, they, it describes Joseph as being a just man. <clears throat> in, verse, um, in verse 19, it says that he was a just man. The word just here uh, <clears throat> is characterized by a standard of morality or justice. Uh, fair and equitable is what that the word means. So Joseph was a man who was characterized by his, his morality and his justice. So think about this. And, and, and uh, you know again, put yourself in Joseph's position. Joseph is, is, is dealing with the fact that he loves Mary. And he, he, the last thing in the world he wants to do is hurt her. But then, because he's a just man, he, he, he wants to do what is morally right as well. But then he's a Jew and he's got to live by the law. And the law and morals sometimes don't always balance out. And so he's, he's, he's doing all of these, all of these thoughts are, 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 are churning in his mind. But ultimately, I believe, ultimately, Joseph wanted to do the right thing. He just wanted to do the right thing. So as he was pondering all of these things, but he patiently waited on God's direction. Lesson number one for this morning. Impulsive, frustrated decisions rarely turn out well. Okay, let me say that again because this is worth repeating. 
Impulsive, frustrated decisions rarely turn out well. Most of the time, decisions made in haste end up with more frustration. Rarely do we find peace when we make hasty decisions. We must be patient. So, dealing with the impossible, number one, be patient. Number two, trust God. Say, wow, this is really deep, Pastor. (laughs) I never said I was a deep preacher, okay? But these principles are, are incredibly true. Be patient. Trust God. Look at verse 20. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Question. What is the first thing that the angel of the Lord tells Joseph in verse 20? Fear not. Why? Because all of these things that were going through the heart of Joseph was causing fear in his life. And the first thing that the angel says unto Joseph is, Fear not. God is always aware of the fear in our hearts. And he knows the things that cause us anxiety and, and, and fear. And as I, as I thought about it, I thought, what, what were some of the things that Joseph was fearing? Was he fearing men? Quite possibly. Was he fearing the fact that he might let, his, let Mary down? Quite possibly. Was he, was he fearful of, of, of maybe doing something that would offend God? I, I believe so, possibly. As I thought about this, again, I, going back to what I said a minute ago, I think that the thing that he feared the most was making the wrong decision. And oftentimes in our internal struggles that when impossible situations come, I can only speak for myself, but I know many times when I'm facing the impossible, the thing that drives me is making the right decision. Not not making people happy, not making me happy, but oftentimes I just want to do the right thing. Again, we don't know much about Joseph, and I think there's reasons for that, but we can only 
build our own lives into all of this. And, and oftentimes that's the thing that, that should drive us is doing what's right. Fear is a real emotion that God gives us. Fear in the right context is a good thing. You don't believe me, go out in the woods and stand next to a bear without a gun. (laughs) What are you going to do? You're going to run. Why? Because you're scared. So fear in the right context is a good thing. God gives us that emotion. But when it comes to the things of God, what does what does the first thing, the first thing the angel says to, to Joseph is, fear not. Lesson number two for this morning's message. We don't always understand God's plan, but we can always trust that he has a plan. We don't always understand. <clears throat> it is impossible for us to know what God is doing in our lives all the time. It's impossible. But we can ta- we can trust God that he has a plan. The ch- the, the plan oftentimes brings challenges. I was naive enough to think one time that as long as I walked with God and I did what God wanted me to do, life would always go just right. Well, that lasted about 10 minutes. Joseph trusted God. Look at, look at verse 24. And, when, and, and then Joseph arose, uh, uh, raised from sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Joseph trusted God. The only way to victory in situations of the impossible is to trust God. That's the only way. Joseph, I believe Joseph understood that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We don't have to understand. We just need to trust. Another one of my favorite uh, Hudson Taylor quotes, I got, a, I got a slide for you on this one too. It's not lost time to wait upon God. I have this one. I have this one on the wall across from my desk as well. Because I don't know about you, but I am not the most patient person in the world. <laughs> Dave is mm-hmm. <laughs> How many of you how many of you are so patient that you have no problem waiting on God? I didn't think so. <laughs> It's not wasted time to wait on God. Sometimes being patient and waiting on God is is some of the most difficult time that we can spend. 
Remember, decisions made in haste usually don't turn out well. I can truthfully say this. When I am patient and when I trust in the Lord, then I make a decision, they usually turn out pretty good. Usually. I still get the flesh in there and I still make bad choices. But usually when I put those two things together, this, the decisions I make usually are pretty good. In James chapter 1, in verses uh, 2 through 6, is another reminder for us. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. James, the half-brother of Jesus here, understood what patience can do for us. And he gives us a great reminder of the fact that trials that come into our lives are to teach us patience. And by learning patience, then we can then turn to God and God will answer our prayers and do great and mighty things in our lives. So number one, be patient. Number two, trust in God. And then number three, this is another deep one. See his glory. See his glory. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we, we, we read the story of the birth of Jesus. In verses 8 through 20 is the story of the shepherds in the fields where the angels come to the shepherds and, and, and that. And, and I don't want to go there and read all that for time's sake. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 the, 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 the story takes a turn, if you would. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And when the day, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was accomplished, they brought him, being Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So what it, what it was is that when a baby was born and the the days of purification for the woman were done, the law required that all male children were to be brought to Jerusalem and presented to the Lord and given to the Lord, uh, symbolically, if you would. So that that this is what's taking place. And while they're at the temple in Jerusalem, they meet a guy named Simeon. Simeon is a really neat character, and I don't want to go into too much because I, I may preach a sermon on him, okay? So I don't want to tell, give away everything about Simeon, but he's just a really, really neat guy. And there's someone else in the story too, but I don't want to give that away yet either. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 33, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, what is the consolation of Israel? 
the Messiah. Okay? So he was waiting for the Messiah. He knew, he knew that the, the birth of the Messiah was imminent. And he was waiting for it. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Could you imagine that? I just, I, I, I shudder to think that he had the ability, the, not the ability, the opportunity to do that. And he said, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, and a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken unto him. They sat there. Okay, now let, let, let's, let's back the bus up here a minute. Think about this. Before the birth, Joseph and Mary both knew that the Messiah was in in in. Mary waiting to be born. They were present when the shepherds showed up at, at right after the birth. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew all of this. And when her days were accomplished, they go to the temple and they run across this guy named Simeon. And Simeon takes the baby and, and says what he says. And they were marvel they were stunned they marveled at what god was doing as joseph and mary held this little baby in their hands i'm sure they had a lot of Questions racing through their minds. Unanswered questions, wondering what the future would hold. What the future was going to look like and how this was all going to play. I'm sure they had hundreds if not thousands of questions racing through their minds. But when Simeon takes hold of this little baby and says, uh, and, and blesses this baby and says the things that he says, they were marveled at the goodness of God. I'm here to tell you, when we are patient and we trust God, we all we have to do is stand back and look at the wonder and the marvelous work of God. Too often, we allow the hustle and bustle of this coming season to rob away the joy that this season is meant to bring. 
too often we allow the pressures of the world and the, the things of the world that say, hey, you were supposed to act like this during this time of year to steal away the joy of the birth of our Savior. Dealing with the impossible. Joseph and Mary, again, through all of the struggles and all of the the potential problems that Joseph and Mary were encountering during the season, they were able to be patient and trust God. And they were able to watch and witness firsthand the miraculous work of God in their lives. Again, I don't know what this season's got in store for you. I don't know what the next year is going to look like in your life. But I can tell you this, if you will be patient and you will trust in God, you can see God do great things. It's really pretty simple. It's not complicated. So, lesson number one, impulsive, frustrated decisions rarely turn out well. Lesson number two, we don't always understand God's plan, but we can always trust that he has a plan. And then number three, right response will always bring honor and glory to God. Always. Psalm chapter 118, verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Whenever God does something in our lives, we should be able to sit back and think, oh, how marvelous is our God. But I can't, I can't close without another quote from <clears throat> Hudson Taylor. Okay, are you ready for another quote? I love quotes, by the way, if you haven't figured it out. <clears throat> Next quote. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. Now, I don't know for a fact, but I believe with all my heart that if Joseph were able to come through that door and come up here and give a testimony, he would say something to the fact of, I'm a nobody. I just trusted God. I don't know that. But I believe it. I believe we could go down the line of the 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 the, the people in scripture that did great things for God. They would say similar things. Moses, Abraham, David, over and over and over, these men were just normal men that God was able to use because they were willing to be used. All God's giants have been weak men because they did great things for God, because they reckoned on God being with them. Again, I don't know what God has in store for you the next year, the next week. But I can tell you, if we will be patient 
and we will trust him. We will see his great work. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. God, you are so good to us, so kind and so gracious. And Lord, I just ask as we bring our service to an end that you would speak to our hearts and you would encourage us and that you would help us to be more like you. With every head bowed and every